Blog Talk Radio. Ay, cariño. Ay, cariño. Si vieras cómo estoy desesperado por tu ausencia, soñando a cada instante con la luz. De tu presencia, llamándote en mis noches y llorando como un niño. Ay, cariño, ay, cariño. Sabes que mi culpa es adorarme con exceso. Si es cierto como dicen que el pecado tiene un precio, que caro estoy pagando por quererme. Ay, cariño.
que guardaste tu carcajada más brutal para reírte de mí. reinado cada vez sé que guardaste tu carcajada más brutal para anunciarle al mundo entero mi final recibí ahora la gran noticia de saber que no acabé porque una Buena suerte, sigue alumbrando mi camino más que ayer. Veo tus ojos como a mi puerta son mendigos de un perdón. Entra si quieres, aquí hay de todo más con una condición que no te guarda rencor, mas por la misma razón tampoco te tengo amor. Ay. Veo tus ojos como a mi puerta son mendigos de perdón. Entra si quieres. Aquí hay de todo más con una condición Que no te guardo rencor Más por la misma razón Tampoco te tengo amor
quédate ahí y no me digas pero nada, nada de ti. Mírame tú con la mirada en azul que tus ojos me enamoran me acarician y me besan y me hablan con ternura cuando me miran así mírame más sigue mirándome así que no hay nada en este mundo comparado con tu forma de Told me to to get him, you know, one of his 
one of his boys, you know, boys meaning, you know, one of his close friends that could, that could, uh, that could do the job, you know, be a front man right. because he had to, he was a front man. And so he told me, you got to get a, you got to get a front man to replace me there because these guys, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. They just want so I got the great uh, Afro-Cuban um, saxophonist, um, jazz saxophonist. You know, his name is Paquito de Rivera. You know, you know Paquito did the gig, and so I, I went to pick up Paquito to take him to the show. I had to go from the NYU Hospital on uh, First Avenue uh, to, uh, of course, the George Washington Bridge in New Jersey. Uh, to pick up Paquito and take him to the show. And so that's what I did. Uh, we did the show. Um, when the show was over, um, uh, I told Paquito, on the way back, I said, Paquito, let's stop at the hospital. I want to see how, how, how Tito is doing. And he said, yeah, okay, great. You know, well, so we uh, we got to the hospital. I did what I said I was going to just go on find out how things going just because I, I have been there all all morning, all day, you know, just hoping for the best. And um mm-hmm. on my luck I came back from the gig, you know, I had Paquita de Rivera in the car, I was taking him back home. And so Marjorie Tito's uh, widow uh, said, Paquita de Rivera in the car, tell him to come come over here, you know, I said, come come inside. I said, okay, so I got Paquita we went inside. And, you know, Paquito and Margie are talking, and, you know, we're there. And then all of a sudden, the elevator doors open up, and he said, uh, can, I, uh, can the Puente family please come with me? And so uh, Margie, and I don't remember if Audrey was there, and Tito Jr. or Ryan. I know, I think so. I think so at that time, all, you know, Tito's kids and, mm-hmm. and his wife was there. So <clears throat> they got in the elevator. And um, uh, Bucky and I were just in, we were, we were in the, in the you know, waiting area uh, with some other people close to Tito Puente. And so um, a few minutes went by, and Bucky um, said to me, Eddie, you know, I have to catch a flight in the morning, so, but, you know, there's really nothing else that we can do here, you know. So I said, yeah, you're right. And that's so what I told Someone that was actually looking. You know, as soon as you hear the news, you know, let me know that Tito's okay. You know, call me. And so I took Paquito home, and then I went home. I had an apartment on the Hudson River in Edgewater, New Jersey. And I got home, and I got that call from the hospital mm-hmm. from his one of his friends. And the only thing she said to me, Eddie, Tito's gone. Oh no, she didn't say Tito's gone. She said. Uh, Eddie, uh, Tito se fue, se nos fue. Tito, Tito has left us. That's, that was the word she used. And my heart sunk. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible moment, you know, because I had worked so many years to get to, to that point in the industry where I was working with an artist like Tito Puente. And, um, you know, then uh, that was it. But there's a lot of things that were going on from this time, this time right now, um, you know, Weeks before his passing, there was a lot of things going on. I, I used to call him every day. He wanted me to call him every day and tell him what's going on because I used to get 
um, all the all the shows, all the bookings, everything calls, everything came to me. And so mm-hmm. um, he wanted to know what was going on. He, he wanted to stay on top of it. But um, yes, you know, and the unfortunate thing is not, not really unfortunate. Hmm? Did he have a long sickness or was it? Uh, sure. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was I was here in Puerto Rico. I was working with him already. Um, uh, you know, April, the end of April, um, April 20th, right after his birthday, he did a tour here in Puerto Rico, four nights with the Puerto Rico Symphony Orchestra. Um, that was the last time people went to perform in, in, on this planet, you know. So we went from that gig into the we went to the hospital. I knew something was wrong. Um, and the doctor told him, confirmed that. He said, Tina, yes, there's something wrong. You, you haven't been taking your heart you know, medicine, medication that you're taking. Where, what, where is it? You know, and so he told me, go, go to the hotel room to pick it up and to find, you know, get it from the shaving kit and bring it back. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and so uh, there's more more about that. But this is this kind of time of the year, you know I mean? It's not a time for... Before really to be sad, but you know, uh, you know, I was thinking about Tito and uh, and the and the music, the romantic side of Tito Puente, or the music that he arranged and that he found some great lyrics. He had some great singers. So, you know, tonight and you know, there was a dance performed in, in that music. It, you, know, you wouldn't think it existed today with reggaeton and Bad Bunny. And, Crap and you know everything else and salsa. Well, salsa is cool, but you know cha cha. You don't see many people dancing cha cha anymore. But see, that was Tito's thing, you know, dancing. You know, making people happy, making right. people feel they can dance. And this is something else. This is another side of Tito Puente because uh, the romantic the lyrics, side. Yeah, the romantic side, the romantic music, which with, with some of the different lead vocalist that he worked with throughout his career. So I'm very I'm very glad that, you know, you invited me back on your show to to do this celebration of the music of Tito Puente and remember him on his centennial was birth on April twentieth and remember him on the anniversary of the day that, you know, he uh he left us. Uh he left us with a lot of great music though. Um, there's never there's so much music of Tito Puente that's available. All you have to do is go to YouTube or Spotify for the listeners that that, are, that you know want to learn more, want to hear more Tito Puente. It's T I T like in Tommy, I like in Iris, T like in Tommy, O like in Oscar, T like a cup of tea, toe like mm-hmm. your toe, Puente. That's with the P like in Peter, University. E like in Edward. N like in Nancy. C like in Tommy. E like in Echo. Quen K. Quen Tito Puente. A lot of great music of Tito Puente, you know, uh, forever. Uh, you know, tonight we'll celebrate, you know, Tito Puente forever. With a lot of the romantic music that, you know, made, made people dance, but, you know, during that time, that was the romance. That was the slow dance, you know. Mm-hmm. Mambo was fast. The cha-cha was in between. But this was, okay. the, you know, uh, people, people went to arrange this music for his orchestra. 
and the singers, uh, most of the time he would do um, the, um, you know, uh, harmonize with the, with the vocalist on, on a lot of these um, compositions. So uh, I hope the audience enjoys it, and I hope that uh, you enjoy it too, Beverly. Um, thanks for uh, well, having me back. Well, this is my first time. I love his drums and him playing the xylophones, but this is my first time hearing the romantic side of it. Well, you know, at the time, once again, we're we're going back, you know, circa 1960s, 19, uh, early 1950s, 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, that was the dance, but it was a dance for... for you know, every race, color, and creed that you you could think mm-hmm. of that used to get together once a week to dance Latin music at a um, at a ballroom called the Palladium. And that was the dance mm-hmm. form. You know, that's the repertoire, you know. It was slow. And okay. It was cha-chas and it was mambo. And, you know, today mm-hmm. mambo, the evolution of mambo and you know, just the New York sound, uh, you know, which is where it came from. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of salsa music, uh, you know, I think that mambo, you know, went a little bit more toward jazz um, and, uh, you know, just created a unique sound for, to dance mambo, but it wasn't called mambo at the time. It was just called Latin. As a teenager, we called this music Latin music, you know. We didn't call it mambo or cha-cha. You know, we knew how to dance it, but um, we called it all Latin music. Latin music, that term Latin music, was replaced with salsa music. And that salsa Mm -hmm. music, salsa music is all over the world today. And that salsa music, the king of Latin music, was probably the Best known Latin music dance, you know, danceable music artist of the Americas. You know, come, you know, born in Spanish Island, Puerto Rican parents, and uh, was uh, an amazing human being and an amazing composer, songwriter, musician, band leader, uh, mentor, uh, boss. I mean, it was really something. Uh, uh, I got to tell you that I was blessed to have, have spent some time with him and uh, working with him closely on a few albums, and hopefully we'll get a chance to play some of them uh, before the 31st. Uh, so I've had a, a wonderful uh, career, and um, I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed that I'm able to share some of the music that I learned to love, because I didn't love this music growing up. Uh, you know, the, the boleros, but see, I like the faster stuff, the mambo. Mm-hmm. But you know, the bolero was for the Latin family. You know, I, when I was growing up in the in the Bronx in the fifties, you know, the, the type of music that I heard and I saw the teenagers dancing to was was doo-wop, and that was like grinding up. That's what they used to call it, you know. It was grinding up and down, up and down. I guess they did that in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. But getting into the Latin side, the slow dancing didn't really, you know, work. What I, what I really loved was the, I loved, you know, 
Mambo, which eventually was replaced with the word salsa, but not really because it's still a dance form called Mambo. And you can see in these dance competitions, they have Mambo dancing, but they also include a salsa dancing <laughs> uh, uh, competition. So it's all about dancing. It's all about having a, a, a good time. At this point, it was on point with that, and including the romantic side. So we're going to hear okay. if, uh, yeah, you know, the audience might not, um, you know, understand the words because they're in Spanish, but I mm-hmm. think when you love music, you can feel it, and you can feel the tone, mm-hmm. and you can feel the interpretation of the person singing it, how much how much soul they have, so to speak, how much feeling they put into the music, and, you know, there's those musical notes that they do with their voice, you know, um, uh, really something to be admired. Um, I'm very happy okay. to be with you tonight. Let's, let's keep celebrating Tito Puente, the romantic side uh, of Tito Puente yeah. on Block Talk with Beverly D every Thursday from 9 to 11 Eastern Time. Live. And with Eddie Ro- Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, there you are. to you live. Yes. Unedited uh, from Puerto Rico uh, on my iPhone. And I hope mm-hmm. everyone enjoys the romantic side of Pito Puente. All righty. Deja que mis pensamientos logren escapar de la realidad. Permíteme soñar que pueda ser verdad nuestro querer deja que penetre en mis entrañas su sentir quiero revivir contigo tu sufrir Y todo aquel dolor de tu pasado cruel Si por los fracasos de tu vida hoy te encuentras vencida y te sientes caer Pensamientos logren escapar de 
casos de tu vida hoy te encuentras vencida y te sientes caer levántate apóyate en mi alma y dime si puedes ser feliz pensamientos logren escapar de la realidad permíteme soñar que pueda ser verdad no Ya no hay alegría, 
Dime vida mía ¿Cuál es tu dolor? Hoy mire tus ojos Tus ojos tan tristes Tus ojos tan verdes Más verdes que el mar Y en tu sufrida Si la herida De tu pena mañana en que te di mi amor ahora en tus ojos ya no hay alegría dime vida mía cuál es tu dolor hoy mire tus ojos tus ojos tan lindos tus ojos tan verdes más verdes que de tu pena Tengo 
salió ganando. Yes, Eddie Rodriguez is with us on Truth to Power, and we are listening to the romantic side of the late, great Tito Pinta. Eddie Rodriguez? That was mighty fine, Beverly. You know, uh, every week you get better, you know, and pronouncing uh, uh, the name of Tito Pinta. Uh You know, it's, yeah. it's interesting how... You know, this, uh, the music we're listening to tonight is, um, you know, the arrangements. You know, you hear people's arrangements, you know, using violins, you know, they were all in the, yeah. in the 60s. And um, that art, you know, we had we heard two different vocalists, the lead singers of Pico Puente during different times, different periods. Um, the male voice we heard tonight is uh, the voice of the late, great, uh, vocalist from Puerto Rico, Santos Colon, uh, Santitos Colon. Um, he was just rest in peace. He was with Tito, you know, for so many years, you know, that um, together when, you know, it, that was the music that I think um, got me interested is that there was an album that came out called Dance Mania. And... Um, that was my introduction to Tito Puente back in the 60s. Uh, Hong Kong Mambo was on that album. Um, a, a particular composition of his that um, was released during the Vietnam War. And um, mm-hmm. there was an occasion where I was, I was in junior high school at the time, and I had two other friends that had older brothers like me. And, and we were like three peas in a pod, you know, in each other's house or wherever we went. We went to the dish, the movies, they asked wherever, you know, we were we were together. And all three of us uh, had bro- older brothers. Uh, my older brother, Mike, had already uh, gone to Vietnam. And so uh, my other close friend, best friend, uh, Eddie Rosa, and he rest in peace, he had an older brother, same age as my brother, and um, his name was Charlie. Uh, Charlie Rosa, uh, Mike and Charlie were friends. They were rest in peace. And um, my other friend, um, we were all in the same class in junior high school, eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. Uh, it was my friend Paul? He, he's, he's still alive and with us. He's a wonderful human being. Uh, 
retired and with his wife Karen and uh, you know taking care of business, you know, looking after kids, raising a kid that you know that he can uh now pay attention to <laughs> to um parenting. And uh he's a great dad and so it's not his child, it's someone else's child but he's he's fearing the child, you know, that he's good he's good okay. friends with the family. And so uh, Paul's brother Carmelo, you know, was uh, was also you know on his, uh, the same age as my brother. So Charlie and Carmelo were going to leave to boot camp the following day that I was at Eddie Rose's house, and so me and Eddie and Paul were, were, were together, and Charlie and. Carmelo had joined us like in the buddy system, and they were going to leave the following day. And Carmelo playing Hong Kong Mumbo. You know, I don't know why, because he was going to Asia. You know, he was going to a place of you know, Asian people. Uh, but he kept on playing it over and over. And I remember, you know, and it, it was on a, you know, we're talking about a, an album on a. On a turntable, you got to put the needle back. The whole album is on it. You got to put the needle back to start it again. And he just kept on playing that song, that composition, over and over and over. Again. <laughs> and my brother came back to Vietnam. Um, he didn't come back well. Uh, Eddie's brother, father, came back from Vietnam. He did not return well at all. And Carmelo, mm. he did not return from Vietnam. Um, mm. He was uh, in that um, that battle of Quezon, where so many you know Marines were killed, uh, you know, trying to take a hill, you know, uh, you know fighting. You know, I, that's, I was in the military. I was I joined the Marine Corps because it was a better alternative to the streets because everybody was. Shooting heroin, you know. Right. Uh, it, it was just a bad, bad place at the time. New York, the Bronx, especially where I came from. You know, people hanging on the corner, no jobs. Uh, saying, you know, it's it's dirty. You know, corruption. You know, the, the police, the mafia. You know, all these streets were controlled. So, uh, I decided to enlist. And I went to boot camp, and uh, I was lucky I didn't have to. I was, I'm a Vietnam-era veteran, but I did not have to go fight in Vietnam for a war that we shouldn't have been fighting in the first place. And lost a lot of young black and Puerto Rican men, kids, teenagers, 18, right. 19, 17, 20. You know, they didn't have a chance. So... You know, that's um, how come I was, so that's how I got into Tito Puente. I, I, you know, not that, at that moment, you know, but later on, whenever I heard that song, I, it was like, you know, it was just so sentimental to me. I just loved it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so uh, that's when I got into Tito Puente. Uh, during that time, you know, slow dancing was a was form, you know, you dance with girls, slow dancing, you know. Um, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of babies were made. <laughs> during, right, right. Because the words, the lyrics are so are so great. You know, one of the songs by La Lupe, um, 
la gran tirana. What he said. Was um, that Lupe? La, Lupe, we heard. Um, I was like Lupe, the queen of soul. They used to call me okay. Reservoir. They used to call La Lupe the queen of Latin. So Afro-Cuban came to New York, was in New York before Celia Cruz, and uh, had the gigs. You know, she had the gigs. She was Tito, and she was part of the community, and Fania at the beginning. But, you know, she had a different uh, lifestyle than Celia Cruz. Celia Cruz was anchored, you know, with her husband. Um, she was with somebody, the father of a child, or moving from here, moving from there. You know, it was uh, you know, it, it happens to a lot of artists. You know, talent, the God-given talent, but mm-hmm. you know, um, God takes us all through, through a direction. You know, so the direction of her direction was not getting to the heights of, uh, you know, other famous Latin female singers. But she was a great singer. She sang as you felt it, you know? Um, so, you know, this romantic side of Tito Puente, uh, you know, like I said, Santito Salón, that's when I got into him. And then, you know, obviously La Lupe was around that same time, you know, and so uh, the songs were empowering to women, you know? You know, and you know, one of the songs, you know, the last you know, song, well, I don't know who wrote it, um, but the songwriter, um, the, the lyrics in, in English would say, from your point of view, I'm the bad one. But, you know, this is the, 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 uh, the, the greatest betrayal, you know? And during the song, she said, you know, things that happened, et cetera, and so on. But at the finale, she says, the, you know, um, the, um, she said, the day that I left you, I was the one that ended up winning. You know, so all that sadness that she was talking about, she said, I'm the one, I won the day that I left you. And so, you know, it's interesting songs like that, empowering women, you know, at that time that you mm-hmm. was not spoken about. Because so, she, uh, she, mm-hmm. she sung with uh, Tito first before uh, the other lady, right? Celia Cruz. Yes. So was they and, sung uh, together? Was they with him together? No, 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 no. Uh, one of the songs we'll hear it tonight is called Oriente. It says, Ay, 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 Tito Puente la botó. Um, because uh, Celia Cruz had come into town and, and Tito was going to do something with her, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. but Tito was still friends with him, with La Lupe, you know? Um, um, Frankie Hollywood, you know, it's told me stories of, you know, Tito Puente and La Lupe being, being with Tito and La Lupe, eating at their, how, how friends, you know, how, what kind of camaraderie they, they, that they had. That they had a lot of respect for each other. And uh, so, but no, she was not disciplined. Then she, you know, she, she, she wasn't anchored and, and, uh, and she, she didn't have uh, the best management around her. At that time, it was hard. He's always lucky, you know, from Jose Bello, you know, uh, 
Vigil Belagot, you know, was involved with Morris Levy and that whole, you know, uh, that movement at that time, we let records, you know, it was, it was a Jewish community that was, that was producing, recording, and releasing them for contact with RCA Records, et cetera. You know, but Jose Cabello mm-hmm. left, and then Ralph McConnell, my friend Ralph McConnell, my mentor, um, you know, I stuck with Ralph for, for 30 years, you know, Tito Puente, and then afterwards. Um, may he rest in peace. So, you know, when when someone like Ralph McConnell, you know, starts to invest in an artist and promoting them and putting them here, putting them there, putting them in Madison Square Garden, a big festival in you know, South America, you know, the final all-stars, you know, and, and pushing this brand, you know, the queen of Latin music, the queen of Latin, at the same time they were promoting salsa. They didn't say the queen of salsa music. They said the queen of Latin music for Celia uh, Cruz. They said the king of Latin music and so, you know, Dito Puente had won uh, that title from a night of who was going to get um, top billing, a ballroom that they would perform every week called the Palladium. And the big three orchestras, big band orchestras that, that, were, that would perform there was the Machito Orchestra, the Tito Rodriguez Orchestra, and the Tito Puente Orchestra. So, uh, Tito Puente, you know, Tito Rodriguez was like a kind of like a crooner, you know. Tito Puente is a musician, mm-hmm. uh, a ranger, composer, songwriter, you know. So one night they had a, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know who came up with the idea, but but it was a good idea. They said, okay, who's going to get top billing here? Whoever the audience chooses to get top billing, you know, uh, is going to win. And so uh, they had, you know, the, the audience got involved in, you know, in choosing Tito Puente instead of Rodriguez or Machito to get top billing. But the competition was really, Tito, not, not with Machito at all, because Tito Puente loved Machito. I don't know about the relationship with Tito Rodriguez, but I'm sure there's a lot of respect and camaraderie. But they were in competition mm-hmm. for the same audience. You understand? Right, uh, right. Uh, that, night, that, that night, they... They gave Tito Puente the title of the king of timbal, el rey de timbal, the king of the timbales. Mm-hmm. The timbales are two drums with the sticks and the cowbells and cymbals on the side. Those are timbales. And in Spanish, it's called timbal. So el rey, mm-hmm. the king of the timbal, of the timbales, Tito Puente. So he got top going. And then that name stuck, you know, that 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 uh, that, that title that kind of followed him throughout his entire career. And Ralph Mercado, you know, really turned it around and uh, and created that brand, the king of Latin music, for uh, people point to him and they're both rest in peace and for Shelley Cruz rest in peace. But once again, you know, okay. we're looking at a, a side of Tito Puente that um I think, you know, people just think of Tito Puente, Oye Como Va. You know, it was one mm-hmm. big club hit, you know, but we, we Carlos Santana covered it, and that was that was it. But Tito Puente was a composer. I mean, he's a graduate of Juilliard School of Music in New York. The highest, the most distinct uh, conservatory of school of music that you can imagine. 
And so he was an arranger. He knew music. He had he was creative. He he constantly came up with with ideas. And um, that's the music we're listening tonight uh, to. Uh, uh, once again, going in a different dance form of that time, the bolero. And uh, tonight we're calling it the the romantic side of the late great king of Latin music. Okay. Here we go. Ya conozco este teatro Mintiendo Que bien se queda el papel Después de todo parece Que esa es tu forma de ser Yo confiaba ciegamente Estudiado simulacro Fue tu mejor actuación Destrozar mi corazón Y hoy que me lloras de pera Recuerdo tu simulacro Perdona que no te crea Parece que es teatro Y acuérdate que según tu punto de vista Yo soy la más ¡Ay! Teatro Lo tuyo es puro teatro Falsedad bien ensayada Estudiado simulacro Me parece que es teatro Perdona que no te crea Lo tuyo es puro Cruel 
que así mató todo el amor que nos unió. Adiós, qué triste fue el adiós, que nos dejó al partir, ya sin voz de llorar. Partir fue regresar a mí, al escuchar tu voz, sin tener. Enorme soledad me quedó sin ti.
Yes, we're with Eddie Rodriguez, and we're listening to Tito Tente um, every Thursday at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eddie, is, is that still uh, the same singer? Well, you know, we just heard a cha-cha, so, you know, once again, uh, uh, something I wanted to give you is to, you know, when they had to, you know, those songs were pop songs during that era, you know, so you mm-hmm. heard their music on the radio. They weren't playing salsa, you know, they were playing, you know, music, you know, kind of safe, you know. It was, you know, there were wonderful universal themes, you know, about love and this and that and the other. So, uh, but, you know, they would not play any of the big bands. Um, the you know music that was going on, it was new. It was pop, you know, that was the popular sound at the time, but it wasn't popular to the advertisers. So, and, and the radio stations were owned, you know, from you know, there was a lot of uh, interesting things that happened in New York. You know, uh, you know when you know the Puerto Rican community, you know, got there in the fifties, uh, there was no Spanish radio, no Spanish television, nothing. Uh, there was an AM radio station I remember it was in the '60s, and I remember a UH, UHF channel uh, started sometime in the '60s as well, close to maybe late '50s, '60s. But you know, the, so you know, the music we've been listening, you know, it kind of that was that was middle of the road, so to speak. You know, that passed the mustard test, you know, to get on the get on the air. And the people that were making the decisions of what music was going to get on the air, uh, well, the owners of the radio stations, um, many of them in New York City, you know, there was um, the, the Puerto Rican community didn't really take up uh, the on, you know, the efforts to, to have a radio station, you know, an all-Spanish-speaking radio station, but mm-hmm. a lot of the Cuban exiles they came from working at radio stations in Cuba. Um, so they knew how to operate. They knew what they needed. They knew the antennas. They knew they had to get, obviously, a license from the FCC. And they knew all of that. And uh, so the Cuban-Americans, the, the first Cubans that arrived, you know, during the 50s, probably the 40s, um, well, the ones that became, you know, very active in the in the media industry, um, in particular with Spanish radio, and then it would be Spanish TV later on. But um, this music would not get on, you know, it would pass the, like I said, it would pass the test with these individuals. Okay, you play this. But no, 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 it took a long, you know, what we know today is some of that fast music, you know, the Tito Puente I'll forget about Latin jazz. That came in the 70s. They would never play that. But mm-hmm. uh, some of the hits that made it through, uh, you know, later on in the 60s, but even in the Fania, you know, with salsa, it wasn't it wasn't mambo, it wasn't cha-cha, it wasn't boleros or trio music, you know. Uh, you know. So it's uh, Now, the neighborhood uh, that you grew up in, that was most of it was Spanish, right? Well, was the Cuba? In my neighborhood, in, in New York, Puerto Rican, okay. Puerto Rican neighborhood. But you know, it was interesting during that time because, you know, in the same building that I lived in, 
we had, you know, there were Puerto Ricans, there were African American families, but we just said, you know, there were there were black families. We were we were black, mm-hmm. and they were blacks, and there were Italians, and there were Jewish people. You know, it was interesting because if you lived in a tenement apartment building like I did, on every floor during dinner time, you might have a different uh, cuisine yeah, going smell, on. Oh, forget about it. Southern cuisine, oh, my God. You know, collard greens and, and things like, ooh, cabbage and, you know, from the, uh, the, the Jewish family, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of different, it was, they weren't smells, but, you know, your sense of smell was very active, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. uh, then later on, you got to taste that food and say, oh, I like it, you know. So, But, yeah, no, very mixed at that time. And then it became very... Um, very much a hundred percent, or let's say ninety percent Puerto Rican. You know, by the time sixties okay. uh, rolled around, and, um, and the police department, there, there was corruption in the police, and they they were in the sanitation department didn't pick up the garbage. The, the landlords, you know, there was no heat. There was, you know, if your kid got by a rat, you know, well. Lucky you survive, you know. Uh, so is, they uh, had like the slum landlords. What we call the slum landlords. It's interesting though, because those were the same landlords mm-hmm. that were there before the Puerto Rican. They owned the building. Those they, were the Jewish people. Yes, but the the, uh, the apartment dwellers, or the people who rented the apartments, were Jewish. Mm-hmm. A lot of these mm-hmm. neighborhoods were entirely Jewish, and some Puerto Rican families, some black families, and Italian families. Well, I think probably started Italians first. Mm-hmm. But in the fifties, it was Puerto Ricans who come into the neighborhoods that had once been entire beautiful buildings. Which is, you know, my my mom is still alive. She's going to be a hundred years old, and she said. Mm-hmm. And that apartment Bronx that they, they they were able to bring us from Puerto Rico to, to because they had they got an apartment. He said that building was absolutely clean, everything was you know, they used to, you know, it was a nice neighborhood, you know, the school was mm-hmm. it was a good school. Uh, it was a public school and they had a nurse in the school, they had a they had a doctor in the school, you know, they had good lunch programs. You know, it's funny because I didn't qualify because both my parents were working. I couldn't get the lunch program. But, mm-hmm. um, yes, you know, they were wonderful neighborhoods. I remember, you know, the trees and everything being clean, you know, and then all of a sudden. So I'm seeing that this is a pattern. Pardon? Yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing that this is a pattern because when we moved in our our neighborhood, it was all Jewish and one or two blacks. But then after a few years, it became all black, and then so, then all the service changed. You know, like you say, right. it was beautiful when you first when you first moved in, but when they moved all out. You know, then it it was like we weren't keeping it up, but the city wasn't giving us the service that they were giving. When they were there, the, they would come and shovel the the sidewalks. We didn't have to even shovel the sidewalks. 
and they would do the streets. But when it turned over to us, then, you know, they stopped all of that. So I'm seeing that it's a pattern. That's why I asked you that. I, I, I believe it is, and uh, obviously it has to do with some type of it's definitely discrimination because uh, I don't think those people that were living there before blacks were living in your neighborhood or Jewish or Puerto Ricans started, you know, renting a lot of apartments mm-hmm. in my neighborhood because the Jewish people mm-hmm. left. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, but I don't think they, even the Jewish people, I don't think they were cleaning. I just think that they had this. The service you know, left. Services that help, yeah, the, the services mm-hmm. that would uh, be uh, provided in the city that you live in, you know, but the color of your skin and uh, had a lot to, to do with uh, things that happened. In, in, in the Bronx, you know, murders and things like that or overdoses, and, you know, mm-hmm. you never heard of people getting arrested. Now you do, you know, oh, this guy's arrested. Back then, no. It was like mm-hmm. the attitude was, um, I'll let them kill each other, you know. Another one, mm-hmm. another junk, another, uh, right. you know, robber, burglar, you know, thief, you know. Let them all, you know, they're all like that. And so, you know, mm-hmm. that's what happened. And, uh, I think that uh, a lot of inspiration came out of that and uh, a lot of, um uh, Determination, you know, for those that wanted to move move on, like my parents and what they taught us, their children. And so, you know, but mm-hmm. again, back to Pico Puente. Pico Puente grew up in Spanish Harlem. And those neighborhoods back then in Spanish Harlem, you know, there were Italian neighborhoods in, in East Harlem. And then they, you know, Spanish Harlem was, was there from the 20s, you know, because Puerto Ricans were moving into New York. And, um, you know, the first place that they would be able to find, you know, their own kind of people, the restaurants or the, or the groceries, et cetera, you know, the foods that they liked was in Spanish Harlem. I, I remember that myself. And then, you know, but in the Bronx, you have Puerto Rican food everywhere. I think you have one mm-hmm. barbecue, uh, Johnson's barbecue. It's a greasy, mm-hmm. greasy French fries, fish, fish and chips. <laughs> and uh, greasy as can be. Everybody put, uh, uh, you know, they put hot sauce and ketchup and I'm you, salt. And everybody had a meal. I mean, not a meal, but that was a 10 cents. You know? But, you know, yeah, these neighborhoods yeah. kind of like that in the projects, you know, they started building open houses. And, and those are mm-hmm. Puerto Rican neighborhoods or black neighborhoods. But yes, mm-hmm. yes, it is a pattern. But you know, Tito Puente left us a, a lot of music, and um, okay. uh, I want to get back to Tito Puente and see okay. what, what you got up next. All right, here we go. <laughs> de una flor lejos de su señora y pasando la tarde en el río ella vio que la noche moría 
y cantándole a Dios en suspiro. Moribunda de amor le decía, ay, ¿dónde estará mi vida? Ay, ¿por qué no viene? Que Rosita encendía, me lo entretiene. Agua clara que camina, entre sombras y timbrales, dile que tienen espinas, las rocas de los rosales, dile que no hay colores. Mi 
Oye mi socio, ponte a gozar Oye mi socio, ponte a gozar Después no digas que no te invité Después no digas que no te invité Al baile que va a estar sabroso Con Tito Puente tocando el timbal Mi rumbo. 
Incredible. That last uh, <laughs> composition was, uh, you know, a, you know that that music has transcended all centuries. I mean, this is you know we're talking about, you know, the Afro or Caribbean experience and how um, languages from Africa, the Yoruba uh, language in particular, and um, has was maintained all the all these years throughout those centuries, you know, with ceremonies that they mm-hmm. that they used to um you know, have to worship, you know, the god of the ocean, the goddess of the ocean, the god of the fire, the, you know, they had different, you know, gods and goddesses that that they worshiped, the river Rain, you know everything that you could think of uh, in terms of um, nature, um, and so you know those ceremonies were conducted with uh, two-headed drums uh, in different sizes, um, and they have you know they, instead of standing them up, you put them on your knee, on your knees, both of them, and from each side, each hand is they're hitting. Uh, or skin, you know, the top of it's goat skin, mm-hmm. you know, the drum. You know, okay. So you get, you get the drum, that's the drum. And, and there's a small one, there's the one that's a lead, and then the one that's a little bit bass. Um, but um, no, they had this, uh, had La Lupe who knew 
um, those ceremonies. And uh, and Tito Puente was all, also very much respected and, you know, was part of that. He was always a Catholic, you know, and uh, but his spiritual life was, uh, you know, was incredible because he, he knew, he respected, and he was, you know, entertained that whole concept of a lot of artists during that time, you know, were drawn to that particular religion, which is the Santeria religion. It's not voodoo. It's not any of that. It's all about worship, you know. It's about trance. Mm-hmm. It's about getting in touch. I mean, that's, you know, I've been to these ceremonies, and it's a, a really, you know, it's, it's like when you when you go to a, on a, a Pentecostal church, and you, you know, yeah, yeah, by the spirit, and that you know they touch, and you, you know, you say, "Wow, there's something here," you know, and yeah, so it's yeah. the same thing with 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 the Afro-Cuban, Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Brazilian. Um, experience with their with their religion or worshiping the way their ancestors worship, yeah. and they might not be black; it could be white, you know, black right. or you know, in between. So you know, it was interesting, you know, to hear that and that entire set with uh, La Lupe, the tragic uh, way that uh, you know her life uh, took. Um, but everyone, uh, everyone where did she leave? Where did huh? she pass on? When did she pass on? And, you know, La Lupe, I remember La Lupe still being around like in the 70s. So, and I saw her in the 80s in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So, around that time, you know. And, uh, okay. And she rested her voice, as you could hear, you know, her voice. Yeah. She had those. And so, you know, if you just look at her voice, not the words, but as an instrument, um, and how she was able to feel the music and to feel it through her, you know, through her interpretation, and um, the chemical, the chemistry between her and Tito Puente, you know, it was incredible. You can hear it, you know. It's like um, so, you know, we've lost a lot of great, great human beings and God-given, God-given, talented musicians who have left their music for us to continue to to enjoy. And I hope your mm-hmm. listeners tonight, uh, you know, took a different side of looking at Tito Puente with, with the arrangements. And you look, you know, you had the saxophones and the trumpets or the flute or whatever, you know, the piano, whatever it was, and the voice as an instrument. Um, right. Not understanding the words. Uh, you know, Tito Puente was able to do that with, uh, audiences, you know, in the Catskill Mountains in New York City, um, you know, where, where it, was, it was all Jewish um, summer camps. You know, they used to go from New York City mm-hmm. up upstate New York, and uh, Grossinger's, you know, famous, uh, you know, not resorted. It, it was, these were hotels that had cabins and they had pools, you know, and they had a lake. Um, you know, so people used to go there for the entire summer. <laughs> and uh, so people went there uh, was part of that community. At the same time, since he grew up in Spanish Harlem, and there's so many Italians growing up in Spanish Harlem with him at the time. And he went to the military with us, uh, uh, to the Navy with us as well. So, you know, all the mm-hmm. Italian people, you know, 
spoke English. It was like, he spoke Spanish, but you know, English was his first language here in, in you know, being born in Spanish Hall in New York. So, so, you know, it was just so many people, even with boleros or with uh, cha-chas or with uh, mambos, like you just said, you know, with uh, Oriente and, and a few others, uh, or Yemi Socio. Uh, they start off as like kind of like a cha-cha, but then it turns into like a mambo. You know? so, um, but it's a pleasure, you know, just listening to this music, um, you know, putting it together. I listen to it, but then during the show, I I listen to it and I say, wow, what an amazing man, you know, just, just he, you know, you can imagine he, got a, he has a song, he has a singer, he can read notes, you know, obviously, so he knows mm-hmm. he plays piano, you know, and, Knows how to, you know, so he knows what notes they are. So he gets the melody. You know, they didn't have this. They didn't have, you know, cassette tapes at that time. You know, but he yeah. took what that sheet music or that lead sheet with the melody and the and 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 the and the vocals. What um, what note? You know, what key was going? The song was going to be arranged in. So mm-hmm. with the instrumentation, the sound, the trumpet, the percussion, the bass, the piano, and and the and the chorus, the background vocals, you know, uh, you, you hear that a lot. So, you know, Tito Puente created a lot of wonderful, wonderful music. You know, uh, I hope people can look at it now from a different point of view and say, "Wow, you know." Yeah. He was mm-hmm. all, you know, he recorded. He recorded two albums a year. You know, that was his, that was his, mm-hmm. that's what he told me. And more if he could, you know. Because he always wanted something right. new to go back to the market, to the, you know, back to on the, on, on, the, on tour, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And bring to his, this is my latest thing, I tell him so on my next album. And on my, mm-hmm. you know, I heard once Elvis Presley, he thought was signed to RCA Records in the 50s. And Elvis Presley introduced Tito Puente as a you know a, a new artist like on RCA and coming out with his new release soon you know a promo forty five I they, they you know I was with I was with Tito when when the person came with the forty five he wanted him to autograph that but he he mm-hmm. played us the tape he played us the tape of the of the, of the promotional two two minutes that you know whatever it was and it, it was Elvis Presley. Talking about big new artist, Tito Puente. So he and man, yeah. he's from Tennessee. You're from Detroit, man. You know, but he got he said, <laughs> and you can too. So with this, yeah. I will leave you with a for Tito Puente. Rest in peace. I hope your audience enjoyed what yeah. we're doing. This is a public service to um, educate and entertain about music that they would not normally uh, be uh, aware of. And uh, right, in the past, right. and down the line, we'll do the present, and, and down the line, we'll do the future. So, thank you once again, <laughs> okay. Beverly. And you, thank and, you. Uh, looking forward to next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week.
ante tu altar hoy vengo suplicante a pedir por el alma de mi amado que la muerte tan
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.